that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death. Welcome to his podcast titled To Know Him with your host, Ashley Severe. Don't forget to hit the follow button so that you can be notified of all new and future episodes. This podcast will be featuring a weekly episode on discussions of life, Bible studies, teachings of Jesus Christ. There will be weekly updates of episodes on this podcast. And once a month, we will have a live podcast hosted on YouTube, on our YouTube page, To Know Him as well. So please like and subscribe to our YouTube page, To Know Him, for updates on new podcasts and episodes. Hope you enjoy. And without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Hello, everyone. This is your host, Ashley Severe of the podcast, To Know Him. This is episode two, titled, My Road to Emmaus, Part Two. I had that dream in, that I shared in our previous episode. I had a bronchoscopy scheduled in the month of January after consulting with a second pulmonary specialist. This procedure was supposed to be an outpatient procedure. I would be put under anesthesia while they send the camera into my lungs to grab a portion of my lungs, a small slither, so that they can perform a biopsy and try to figure out why I was struggling with this shortness of breath. Because every test that I took came out negative. Took multiple COVID tests x-rays, blood work. I mean, I was, give, I was given prescription for blood work for things I, I never even heard of. But every single one came, ne- came out negative. So therefore, they wanted to send the camera to see why I was still suffering with this inflammation of the lungs and these fibrosis that had developed. On the faithful day of January 30th, my wife drove me over to Advent Health in downtown Orlando. I was placed under anesthesia, and the doctor performed his procedure. I logged in on January 30th, 7 o'clock in the morning, and I woke up a day later, January 31st, in the evening time on a breathing machine. When I opened my eyes, I had white gloves strapped around both of my hands. And all I could see was my lovely wife sitting on the bed, looking down at me. I had no idea what had transpired, but... And at the time that I woke up... I knew something had went wrong. But I didn't want to know what went wrong. And all I could do was just rub my wife's face. 
I guess in, in a way I was trying to wipe the concern that I saw on her face as she looked down on me. I gestured to my wife and asked, why did I have gloves on? I was trying my best to gesture these gloves, and my wife began to tell me, Ashley, you need to calm down. You need to relax. And in my mind, I'm wondering, why are you telling me to calm down or relax? I wasn't able to talk because I was on a breathing machine. I was, I was breathing for me. I couldn't speak. So I adjusted to her. Why do I have these gloves? And so when the nurse came in, I kind of gestured, can I get something to write with? <clears throat> can I please write? And the nurse asked me to promise that if they took the gloves off, would I be calm? Again, I'm lost. I don't know why they're, why they're pressing me to be calm. But I said, yes, you can trust me. I shook my head. Yes, you can trust me. So they gave me a pencil and paper. And my very first question is, when will they take this tube out of my mouth so I can try to talk again? And the nurse took her time to explain to me that I was on a breathing machine and, and that just was helping me to breathe. And when I improve, they'll see if they can remove me from this breathing machine. So I was incubated, intubated. After my procedure of the bronchoscopy, my wife began to explain to me that things didn't go well during the procedure. And I wrote on the paper. And I said to her, please, let not, let's not talk about that now. We'll talk about it later. Because at that moment, <clears throat> I just wanted to get well enough to get off that breathing machine. Because I knew that if I was stressed or worried, it would make it that much more complicated to tolerate this tube going down into my nose and in my mouth and down into my lungs. So I pled with her not to let anyone tell me what had happened until I was off this breathing machine. <clears throat> My third question to her was, what day is it? And then she had, had told me that I was in there on my second day. So on the third day of being intubated, the doctors decided that my lung was strong enough for them to take the tube out and take me off the breathing machine. So after that, after that procedure, when they pulled it out, after another day, they informed me that they didn't have enough material for the biopsy, that they would have to go in through the right side of my chest in through my ribs and into my lungs with another camera and try to retrieve 
multiple pieces of my lungs or big enough pieces of my lung so that they can perform a second biopsy so that they can get an idea of what the cause of the problem I was having. Now granted, I still don't know what had happened prior to that day. I didn't want to know. Even when I came off the breathing machine, I still didn't want to know. I felt at that moment that it would be too traumatic for me because I knew something had went wrong. And the reason I knew something had went wrong because I had blood on my sheets. At this point, I was in ICU. And so speaking with the surgeon, he meant, he talked to me about the procedure. He spoke to my wife. And my wife asked him about what safety precautions would be taken. Because remember, at this point, I don't know what had happened. So my wife asked, what can they do to assure her that this would not be a repeat of the events that took place a couple days prior? So what had happened a couple of days prior was as they began the procedure of the bronchoscopy, as they sent the camera down into my lungs, I began to, to bleed. According to the doctor's own words, he said that every play, everywhere that the camera touched bled. And so he had to continue the procedure, and by the time he was done, I had so much bleeding that it filled my lungs and went into my stomach and other places in my body was coming out my mouth and my nose. I lost so much blood that they had to sedate me medically and suction all the blood out and stick the tube into my side to try to drain the blood and water that has already accumulated in my lungs. My wife also told me that my body was lifeless. My eyes were open, but it was not responding to the flashlight that they were putting in front of my eyes. She told me my family drove up immediately from Miami. And as I was on the bed, my eyes were open. And I could not remember any of this taking place. I was not responding to commands. I was not responding to what I was seeing. So after the doctor assured my wife of the safeguards that, would, that they would take, that would be put in place to prevent a repeat of what's happening, my wife gave them the approval to do the second biopsy. After that procedure, I was incubated again and sedated for two and a half more days and I was put back on the breathing machine. When I woke up from the second procedure, they didn't, they didn't have the white gloves anymore. Even though the procedure was a simple biopsy, one of the symptoms I was suffering from in addition to the shortness of breath, is that for the last five months, my heart rate remained over 100 beats per minute. <clears throat> but after the surgery, the, the biopsy, the second biopsy surgery, my heart rate was under 100. 
And for me, I thought that was a miracle all by itself. Because for five months, I was suffering with a heartbeat that was racing all the time. I would wake up with a racing heartbeat of 120, 130. As a matter of fact, guys, I'm actually doing this podcast from the hospital bed. I have been here now for 24 days. Still no results of my biopsies, either one of them. They still have not come to any conclusions of what they found. They sent my biopsy <clears throat> specimens to Mayo Clinic, and they're waiting for a second opinion. But as I sit here in this hospital for the last 24 days, all I could think of was that dream. And what I felt God was trying to tell me back in November of 2022, and then for this to happen in January 30th of 2023, You see, my life was filled with a lot of activity between work, family, hobbies, trying to keep promises to my kids, take them out hunting, taking on more work. It was always go, go, go. When my breathing situation got worse, I had to stop working, stop accepting assignments. But I was still writing estimates at home that kept me busy. And then when I came in for the procedure, and everything went south. It was almost as if it was almost it was almost as if God was saying, Since you're not slowing down, and repositioning your life to focus on the message I gave you in November of 2022, I'm going to have to slow you down myself. And so I sit here in this hospital room For the first 10 to 15 days, staring at the walls and the ceilings, listening to audios of Bible verses, and I began to think about that faithful night of the dream. I said to myself, hey, while I'm here, I might as well try to make good time of it. They transferred me to a private room 13 days in and I asked my son who had flew, flew down from San Diego, California I asked him if he can bring my computer and equipment to the hospital so I can start working and not working, earning a living 
would I start working on this new chapter in my life of making Christ known in every area of my life. During the time I was listening to the audio, there was a message I heard in the book of John. Jesus Christ was sitting on the shore after his crucifixion, and he was having a meal with his disciples. And he turned to Peter and he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Now, Peter was the disciple that denied Christ three times. And here Christ, no disappointment, no anger, no bitterness. But here Christ looks to Peter and he asks him a pointed question. Do you love me? And he asked him the same question three times. Peter, in his shame, is very uncomfortable. It doesn't say why he was ashamed, but he felt bad that the Lord Jesus Christ asked him three times. And every time when Peter said, I love you, Lord, Jesus would say, feed my sheep. And he did that three times. You see, when I had this dream in November, even though I knew the Lord was telling me to get back to my first love, but I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do. All I knew I had to do something. But when I had listened to this audio and I heard what these verses had said, it's like a light went in my soul. That's it. God wants me to feed his sheep. That's it. He didn't say to make them to eat. He didn't say to make decisions for them. He didn't say to manipulate them into paying for the food that they're being fed for fed. Uh, he simply said to feed his sheep. That was it. And man, I felt tremendous relief. I felt that that was the driving power behind the entire message that the Lord gave me that day in November 2022 in that dream. And that gave me such a sense of direction. And that is why we're all here right now in this podcast, to know him. God has given each and every one of us a gift and a purpose in this life. It doesn't matter if we were doctors, engineers, kings and queens, but if we miss our life purpose, we have failed in this life. And the Bible said, what does it profit a man if he gains this entire world, but yet loses his soul? What does it profit him if he gains this entire world? but dies and loses his soul.
So my message to you all just today is that God loves you and that he has a purpose for your life. The fact that you are alive today means that he's not done with you. He sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into this world to die for your sins, to pay the consequences of the bad decisions that you've made in your life. Because it is appointed unto a man to die once and then to face judgment. You might be asking, why do I have to get judged? Why do I have to face judgment? I'm a good person. I ain't that bad. When scripture says the wages of sin is death, and all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, all of us have. To believe that we won't one day have to face the consequences of our sinful decisions is to create a false hope and forces us to believe that there can't be a God because we don't want to have to be accountable for our decisions. That is the driving motivation of atheists and the godless is that there is no sin. So therefore, if there is no sin, I could just do whatever I want. But there is a law of nature in place that we will reap what we sow. God is not mocked. There's a day that we will have to give an account for everything that we have done. But the free gift of God is this. That if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Simple as that. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this world to be the sacrificial lamb for our sins. He became sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might be forgiven. Gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for a debt that he did not owe. God wants a relationship with you. God has a purpose for your life. To prosper you. That you might have life and have it to the full. So I encourage you guys today to reflect on the fact that the reason you're here and you're still alive today because God still has a purpose for you. And I pray that you might find it. The Lord bless you all. Thank you for joining us this evening. I look forward to talking to you again on our next episode of To Know Him.